Hey guys, welcome back to the Worship Team Podcast. This is Alex and Fiegin, your host. Uh, this podcast is made for worship leaders and worship team members, and the whole goal is that I would help in some small way you to be better at what you do so that you might better bless your local church. So hopefully this podcast has been a blessing to you and helpful to you. I wanted to say sorry for the delay in this episode. Uh, I try to release an episode every month, but I am quite behind um, this time for several reasons. One, uh, my family has had some pretty serious health issues uh, the last two and a half months, but everyone is healthy now. Um, two, I'm just trying to have a more balanced family ministry relationship because things got kind of out of whack there for a while. Um, and so worship leaders, take care of your families. They are your first ministry and whatever is left after you serve them is for the church. Okay, and then the third reason is, and this is really exciting, I'm working on my newest album, um, so it's taking up all of my free time. And if you're a young father, you're like, what's free time? Well, exactly. So um, those are the reasons this um, episode is delayed. By the way, for the album, I'm super excited about it. It's my first one in six years, and I've probably written like 60 songs in the last six years, and I finally feel like it's time to release something, and I have a batch of songs that are worthy of releasing, so I'll keep you updated on that. shouldn't be too much longer before it's finished. So um, that is the reasoning for the delay. Thanks for your patience, and now on to the good stuff. Today's episode is about multi-generational worship leading uh, and how to do it well. In other words, how do we get young and old to sing together and enjoy doing it? Um, Because if you're in a healthy church, you should have people from every generation, from, you know, newborn babies to 10-year-olds to 30 to 60 to 90. Um, That is, you know, the healthy church coming together to worship Jesus, and our job is to lead a room full of very, very diverse people. So how do we do that well? Another title for this podcast episode could be uh, How to Not Tick Off the Old People in Your Church, but we won't call it that. Um, So our job, just as a definition, our job as worship leaders is to help everyone in the room connect with Jesus through song and other elements. That means that when we plan our sets and our services, we should be thinking about how to best serve every person in the room from young to old. Um, And we should be thinking about those who have similar preferences to us, and we should be considering those who have a completely different way of connecting to God. Uh, Some people, you know, can only feel connected to God when they're singing a hymn, and some people feel nothing and really have a hard time connecting to God when they sing a hymn. So we need, to, we need to consider all of these different types of people, and we need to do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves, and let each of you not look only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. That verse from Philippians 2 is kind of the the cornerstone of this entire episode. We need to consider others more significant than ourselves and look out for their interests as we lead them in worship. Okay, so how can we, as worship leaders and worship team members, help 
the older people connect to Jesus through song while also not leaving behind the younger crowds. Here are four tips for you that um, I think have been really helpful to me in my journey uh, as a worship leader. Number one, befriend, befriend people. Uh, I think one of the most important things I can say to you as a worship leader is to befriend the older generation. If you're a young worship leader, you're automatically going to connect with the younger generation. That's just going to happen naturally because you are one of them. Um, But it's the older generation that might be suspicious of you, especially, especially if you have a dirty hipster beard and skinny jeans. Okay, I'm suspicious of you. So the best way to win over the older generation is to befriend them. And that means getting down from the stage and getting to know them. You know, get off the stage and get into the pews, talk with them, learn their story, encourage them, pray with them. Um, That is so huge. If you can start befriending the older generation, you're going to build massive bridges that are going to pay off in the long run. And one thing I try to do every Sunday um, before the service is to sit down with people in the pews who come early. Um, And I'm usually looking for like older people or people who I don't yet know personally. And I'll sit with them. I'll learn their name. I'll learn where they're from. I'll learn their story. I'll try to joke and laugh with them. Or if, you know, the conversation turns more serious and they share something difficult, I'll pray with them and encourage them. Um, and, And so doing that has really allowed me to earn some emotional equity, some trust. If you want them to say, I like that guy. I like that girl. He took the time He made the effort. He made me feel loved. He encouraged me in the Lord. And by doing that, by making that effort, by taking the time, by showing them you care, you earn their trust. And if they trust you, they will let you lead them. If they trust you, they will let you lead them. But you can't trust someone you don't know. And so you have to get to know them. They won't trust you if they don't know you. But if you make the effort, you show that you care, and you get to know them, and they get to know you, even if it's five minutes before the service, just a little bit of time. If they get to know you, you will build trust, and then you can lead them. Um, And another benefit of befriending your congregation is that if they know that you love them, that they will overlook any minor quibbles they have about your leadership or about something you do. So for example, by taking the time and making the emotional, relational connection, the investment, they might be more responsive to you. Let's say it's an older person. They might be more responsive to you when you bust out like a really rocked out song and it gets kind of loud in the room. You know, they they might respond a little better to that because they know you. You're not just some unknown face. And, you know, I guess I'm really talking to people in larger churches because in a smaller church, it's easy to know everybody. But if you're over, let's say, 300 or 400, it starts to get hard to know everybody. Um, So make the effort and put the time in because they'll start to give you the benefit of the doubt. If you do something they don't like, like, I don't know, turn up the volume several weeks in a row, Um, because they know you and because they trust that you have their best interest in mind, they'll say, it's okay, I know Alex, I trust Alex, he must have a good reason for what he's doing. 
because like the verse says, love covers a multitude of sins. So tip number one, befriend your congregation. That will give you so much equity to lead young and old alike, and that will help you have great multi-generational worship. So if you're an introvert, I know this is hard, but ask God to help you in this because it will pay off. Befriend your congregation is one step to having great multi-generational worship. Uh, The second tip is to be sensitive. Be sensitive to the needs and desires of your congregation. Um, Now, that doesn't mean you can't lead people where you feel God is calling you to lead them. It just means that you have to lead them with sensitivity and with slowness. Um, When I came to my current church, there was a lot of division regarding the music ministry. Uh, The previous leader had hired a band that rocked out pretty loud on Sundays. There were amps all over the stage. Um, The drum kit was unshielded, and a lot of the older people were frequently complaining about the volume. And since the band was hired, when the guy left, they left with him. And so I literally came to an empty stage and an empty musician roster. Like I had no one and I had nothing. It was me and my acoustic guitar. And that was actually an advantage to me because knowing what I knew about how things were previously, I was very sensitive to introducing a loud, rocked out worship band. Now, do I prefer that? Yeah, I do. But... I wanted to be sensitive to the needs and the desires of my congregation, and I wanted to slowly help us get to a more contemporary sound. Um, But as for now, I was okay with it being more mellow. In fact, that was actually exactly what the congregation needed. They kind of needed a period of time where it was more mellow, a little quieter, uh, a little simpler, um, where they could just sing. They were, they were starving for that. And you have to be aware of what your congregation needs. And if you're going to introduce change, do it with sensitivity. Um, I earned a lot of, I think, points um, with the older people by not just coming in and plowing ahead with my plan and my vision and my desires, but really being sensitive to what, what they needed. Um, cause now I lead with a bright orange telly. It's beautiful and it sounds amazing and it's loud, but I didn't introduce that on the first day. I was very strategic about what went on the stage and when it went on. So maybe I can give you a couple examples and ideas for how I did that here. And maybe it'll spur on some thinking for you as you, as you desire to introduce change and lead your congregation to maybe a new area or new direction of your music style. Um, Okay, so for drums, right? I got to the point where I was ready to introduce drums. Um, I decided, believe it or not, to first go with an electric kit. Okay, I know, I know. Did I want an electric kit? No, I did not. But that's what the church needed because knowing what I knew about the previous complaints about the drums, putting the old bright orange Yamaha drum kit on the stage, I think would have invoked some negative feelings from the 50 plus age group. This is our congregation, right? I'm not talking about yours. I'm talking about mine. I'm just saying I was sensitive to my congregation's needs and we need to do that. So we put the electric drum kits and when we were ready to move to a real kit, I bought this beautiful 
white DW drum kit and I put it on the stage for four weeks and I had the drummers keep playing the electric kit. And pretty soon the older people were coming up to me saying, why do you have those really nice drums if no one's going to play them? You should, you should put your drummers on the, on the kit. So check out that strategy, right? That was like, okay, I'm getting prideful, but that was pretty genius. So I had strategically and sent with sensitivity uh, slowly introduced this change um, to the direction I was feeling God calling us. Now we put a, obviously a drum shield up in front of our drums to show our congregation, hey, we are sensitive to your ears. We don't want to blow you away. We're not just here to make a lot of noise. We're here to lead you with sensitivity. Um, same thing with the electric guitar. I bought a blonde wood full-bodied Epiphone guitar that to the untrained eye could have been mistaken as an acoustic. Um, and you might be saying, wow, Alex, you're like way too sensitive. Don't you think you're going overboard? Maybe, maybe I am, but it worked. It worked for us. And being sensitive to the needs and perceptions of my congregation and not wanting to offend anyone in the process um, has led to a really great multi-generational congregation that all together sings loudly every single Sunday. And that's that's what we're talking about today. How do we get there? So this was one step about how to get there, um, was by being sensitive to what my congregation needed and what they thought, and not just bulldozing them and plowing them with what I wanted. And one more thought on this, perception is reality. So if things look loud, people will perceive it as loud. If there are giant martial stacks on the stage, people are going to think it's loud. If the drums are uncaged, people are going to think it's loud. Now, it might not be loud, but perception is reality. Um, So what we do here is we have our amps backstage in a little amp closet. It's not that hard to build. It's not that hard to do. Um, Our drums are shielded and they have a roof and it sounds better. And the older people know that I care about them and I don't want to blow them away. So let your people know they care about you. I mean, sorry, let your people know that you care about them and be sensitive to their needs. And those two things go hand in hand. Um, So befriend your congregation, be sensitive, be a servant, be a servant to your congregation. Now, Jesus uh, made it really clear that leaders in his kingdom are supposed to be servants of all, not tyrants. We are supposed to serve others and consider their needs more important than our own. Uh, and that's how we should be leading our congregation as a servant, by picking songs, planning service elements with others' needs in mind. Not your desires, not what you want, but what they want. Because, again, what is the goal of worship leading? To help everyone in the room connect with Jesus through song. So, practically speaking, what does it mean to be a servant as a worship leader or a worship team member? Um, well, I think there are some ways that you can serve the different generations in your church practically. And I think one way is to pick songs from different eras. So man, the old hymns are amazing. Like if you're not doing hymns, you should do them. The words are incredible. They're powerful. They're beautiful. Do hymns. And I, I do all of my hymns with a contemporary arrangement and I add my own choruses. Um, just one caution on doing hymns do not change the melody of a hymn. (laughs) That's like, you will get crucified. Okay. 
don't change the melody of the hymn, okay? Keep the melody the same, the timing the same. That is the familiarity that they, from that generation, are looking for. The power of the song is in its familiarity to the people of that generation. So if you do a hymn, but you totally change the melody, it's not familiar to them. In fact, they probably hate it more than if you didn't play it at all. Okay, so don't change hymns. That's I learned that from experience. Plus, you don't need to because they're extremely well-written songs. So do hymns. We typically do two to three hymns per Sunday at my church. Um, and if you're interested, I'd be happy to send you our arrangements of the hymns and the choruses that we've written here um, and the chord charts. Just email me, uh, worshipteampodcast at gmail.com. And I will send those to you. So hymns are great, um, you know, but do songs from different eras of time. So do some songs from the 90s. I know they some of them are cheesy, but you can find some that are great. And that will resonate with someone in the congregation that grew up in that time and went to junior high camp in the 90s. And those were the songs that they loved when they got saved. And that will help them to connect with God through song. So the 90s, the 2000s, you know, and, and then do some brand new ones for the youth. Um, but pick songs from different eras. That's one way to serve the people out there. Another uh, way to serve the people um, in the congregation to spur on singing from all generations is to pick songs and keys that are good for them, right? Not for you. I mean, you got to find the balance because you can't sound horrible, but make sure you're picking songs and keys that are good for the people so they can sing. This is about serving them. It's not about having the most cutting edge, cool music. It's about helping people sing. That is our job to help people sing, not have awesome music. Now, if you can do both at the same time, you're winning. So, but serve them. Um, the last way that I think we can be servants to our congregations is by having like different musical setups each week, different instrumentation. Because if you have like drums, bass, electric, keys, and three vocalists every single week, that might be great for one age bracket but you're leaving out all the other age brackets and you're leaving out all the other stylistic preferences of your congregation. So some weeks do it loud and proud and other weeks do it mellow and stripped back. Um, Do it with just an acoustic guitar one week. Do it with an acoustic and a piano and bongos one week. Mix it up because different eras of people, different generations of people are going to relate, you know, better to different stylistic setup. So don't always do the same instrumentation every week. So we try to have things change pretty significantly from week to week. Sometimes I even have a guy with a saxophone get up there and, you know, people love it, but I try to use it very sparingly. So um, be a servant and serve your congregation and meet their needs, I guess, is what I'm saying. Okay, and then the last way to have intergenerational worship leading where young and old sing together is to encourage engagement um, as you're leading. Encourage it. Um, Corporate worship is not a spectator sport. Uh, And we should do everything we can. We should use every tool to encourage everyone in the room to sing. Um, so some practical ways would be like vocal prompts, like, 
all right, sometimes I'll just say before a song, hey, sing this with us, you know, um, or before a chorus, let's sing Savior, and then, you know, the chorus hits, and you're just telling them, sing, sing with us, sing with us. Sometimes I'll step, like, if they're going for it, sometimes I'll step away from the microphone, and then they just, their voices go even louder, and they just take over. Um, You really want to push the room to sing. It's not about us singing and sounding cool, it's about them. Another way uh, to encourage engagement is to just literally encourage them by saying, great singing, everybody. Um, So typically after the fourth song and after I pray, I'll say that. Great singing, everybody. You guys sounded awesome. Go ahead and greet someone. Um, So you're encouraging them. You're you're reinforcing the value of singing together as a congregation. And I I mean, over the last three years at Cyprus, the church just has turned into a, a singing church. They just sing so loud and it's so beautiful. And that is our our job, that is our goal. Um, another practical way to encourage engagement is to not have it too loud to where you can't hear the voices. Now, I know some people say, well, when I can hear my voice, I don't like to sing. And that's that's an individual preference. But, you know, we're talking corporate worship, everybody together, singing together, not private worship. So, you know, if you, it's got to be loud enough to where they feel it and there's energy in the room. But don't turn it up so loud that they can't hear themselves sing. That will discourage engagement. In fact, I've seen videos in loud and large churches where it's loud and dark, where people just stand watching what's happening on the stage. And that that's a spectator sport. That's not what we're called to do. It might look cool and it might sound awesome, but that's not the goal. The goal is for the people in the, in the pews to sing to Jesus. So um, just be careful about your volume and your lighting. Um, and Bob Coughlin has a really good article that he wrote about lighting and there's no, you know, right or wrong answer. But one way I like to think about it is that lights down makes for an individual experience and lights up makes for a corporate experience. So think about that. Um, maybe bring your lights up a little bit if you keep it too dark. That way it feels like a team thing. Everyone can see each other. Everyone can hear each other. And they are singing together corporately, young and old alike. Because um, if people feel like they're part of something, they will participate. But if they feel like they're watching something, they won't participate. Again, your goal is not coolness, but congregational engagement. So one one last thing I think about um, encouraging multi generational congregational engagement is by making sure your music team looks like your congregation. Like your music team should look like a cross section of your congregation. And that means you have old people on your team, you have middle-aged people on your team, you have 20-year-olds on your team, and you have teens on your team, if they're good enough. Your team members on your music team should span the range age of your church. And I've noticed kind of a pattern in some of the bigger churches where it looks like everyone on stage is like 25 and you can only be on the team if you're good looking and you have good style. But that's like, that's isolating and I'm not really sure what it is, but I think it's it's wrong. I think our teams should look like our churches and then our churches will feel encouraged that we're all part of the same team. We're all in this together. It's not some s- exclusive club to be up on the stage. It's it's normal people from different stages of life, from different generations, 
all up there leading and worshiping together with the people in the church who look just like them. Um, and I get, I get why people use younger musicians and it's because they have a more contemporary style and sound. But again, it's not necessarily about musical coolness. It's about congregational engagement from, from the youngest in the seat to the oldest in the seat. So those are my four tips for developing congregational engagement, um, from, multiple generations. Again, befriend them, be sensitive to their needs, serve them, not yourself, not make yourself look cool, help them sing, and then encourage engagement. So hopefully this episode has been practical to you. Um, I know there are probably a million more things that could be said about this, but I don't even know what they are. So if you know what they are, you can leave a comment in the comment section. If you think this episode has been helpful to you, please send it on to someone else. And I just pray that God would bless you and your church and that it would become a multi-generational worshiping church that loves to sing to Jesus. God bless you guys and have an awesome Sunday this weekend.